there's a DNA that's in John, that's in all the apostles, that's in the prophets, right? And this DNA gets passed on to us by the Holy Spirit. And when we look at John, I want us to see the Apostle John as a pastor, an elder who genuinely cares for us because he wants to talk about the real Jesus. This is important because when we see how John starts off, John doesn't come up with a, a brief introduction, hello, or he doesn't start with saying grace be to you. He gets right into it. He says that which was from the beginning. And what is he talking about? Because the very next line says this, which we have heard. Now notice the sense of hearing, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have touched. And it's, he says, this is concerning the very word of life. Then he says this, the life was made manifest. This Jesus was made manifest and we have seen it. We testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life, that eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. See, John has a couple of purposes here. One is, in verse 4, he says, We are writing these things so that our joy, collectively, the apostles and us, our joy may be complete. Amen. And he closes this letter in 1 John 5, verse 13. And he says, I write these things to you. So everything in this letter, there's a purpose behind it. He says, I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Hallelujah. Now, friends, we live in a world that has never been friendly mm -hmm. to the things of God, nor the people of God. And why is it so? Because we follow him who is the light. We follow him who is the light. But see, our, we live in a world, folks, that the world loves darkness. And they don't want to come to that light. Why? Because their deeds will be exposed. But there is a sense deep in their own conscience that they want to put something together that could appease their consciences. So they might put together a religion. They might put together a, 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 a system of beliefs. See, John wants to make sure that the very Jesus he's presenting is the very one his eyes saw, his hands touched, he heard with his ears, and he's sharing with us this proclamation of this eternal life that was with the Father. To have the real Jesus is not only important, but it's eternal life. The apostles... Paul gives us a warning. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11, 3 and 4, and 13 to 15, he says this, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. 
For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you have accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Verse 13, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond with their deeds. See, the apostle says, just as subtle as the serpent was in that garden, that's how he is today. And we are living in trying times. Our Lord Jesus said himself, see to it that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. See, these false teachers will pay a a minor tribute to Jesus, but their goal is to make you follow them. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. When Jesus says, if you had known me, now you got to remember, this is, this is recorded in the gospel of John. So that's why when John writes his epistle, he says again, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have looked upon, which our eyes have seen, which our hands have touched concerning the word of life. Then he says that this life was made manifest. It was re- he was revealed. We've seen it. We're testi- So we're getting an eyewitness testimony to Jesus, right? Testify to what we proclaim to you, the eternal life which was with the Father. So that what we have seen and heard, we proclaim, and here's the purpose. So that you too can have fellowship with the Father and the Son, and that fellowship is with the, with the very apostle here. John. So let's look at these two words that he says in verse two. He talks about the life was manifest. We have seen it and testified to it, proclaimed to you the eternal life. I want to key in on the word eternal. The word eternal carries the meaning of without a beginning and without an end, right? That which has always been and always will be without beginning, without end, never to cease, everlasting. Think of eternity. It's such a, you know, we can hear the word, but can we actually fathom the idea of eternity, the infinity of God, infiniteness. You know, you ever go to a top of a mountain and you take your eyes and you look. Does not our eyes have a limit? that we could only see so far. And if we look at eternity before us, we can never grasp it. 
We can never catch it behind. Why? Because it's from everlasting to everlasting. He's God. But this everlasting being took on our flesh. This is the very one whom the Apostle John is talking to us about. And this is the very one that the prophets pointed to in Micah chapter 5. Written about 750, 800 years before the coming of Christ. He says this, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will come forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His times of going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Now picture this. You know, when you think of New York City, you think of Atlanta, you think of Los Angeles, you think of Chicago, big, big cities. The King of Kings comes in a little insignificant town, Bethlehem Ephrathah. So little, not even to be named amongst the clans of Judah. Insignificant, but the most significant being is coming. You see that? The most significant being, Isaiah 714. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew gives us the, the, the interpretation of that. He said, this all took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. The virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Let's go back to 1 John. When John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which our eyes have looked upon, our hands have touched, Turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1. When we talk about the eternal God. John chapter 1. Beginning in the first verse. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the word was God. You see how he says in the beginning. He didn't say in the beginning the word became. Doesn't use that. In the beginning. In the intransitive verb was. In the beginning. The word always already existed. And this word was face to face with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And in Christ, in him, was life. And that life is the light of men. So how much of that light do we have in us is going to depend on how much we know of the eternal one, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom John says, we proclaim to you that eternal life. And he says, I've seen him, I heard him, I touched him. What did he see? Well, look at verse 14. He says this, this very word 
that was in eternity with the Father and the Spirit. This word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pause for a minute. Like, like in the Psalms, they have that word, Selah. You see the eternal one? The one in whom created all things. There's a dialogue that goes on. And the book of Hebrews gives us a dialogue. In Hebrews chapter 1, the father is speaking to the son. And he says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8, But of the son, the father says this, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. And you, Lord, he's speaking to the Son, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. Your years have no end. Do you see the eternal one? Do you see this eternal one that John is proclaiming to us? The psalmist, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 102, in times of old, you founded the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you'll endure. All of them will wear out like a garment, like a clothing. You will change them. They will pass away. But again, that reminder, but you are the same, right? You are the same and your years will not come to. Folks, there's not a different Jesus, even though the enemy wants to throw at us a different Jesus. This is the Jesus whom John, that loving pastor, John, that wise pastor said, that which from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen, which our eyes have looked upon, which our hands have touched, we're proclaiming him to you. We want you to have the same joy. In Colossians chapter 1, this Jesus, the one who's the same, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now we come to that term firstborn. The enemies of Christ have twisted that term. See, it does not say the first created. It says firstborn. It's a title. The scriptures teach us about that particular title. If we turn to Genesis chapter 41, verse 51, we will see how God uses this term. In Genesis 41, 51, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh. So who did he name the firstborn? Manasseh. Amen. For he said, God has made me forget all my trouble in all of my father's household. The name of the second, he called Ephraim. Who was the second? Ephraim. 
For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31. In Jeremiah 31, 9, they will come with weeping and by pleading I will bring them. I will lead them by the streams of water on a straight path on which they will not stumble. For I am a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn. He's the heir. See that? You see how God uses that. But the enemy wants to twist that and give a different Jesus. So we look back at that text in Colossians. The context bears witness. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, and the him is this Jesus, whom John says we've touched, we've seen, we've handled, we've looked upon. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth. Visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. See, everything he created, rulers, thrones, dominions, powers, serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't run from Christ. We can't run. All authority has been given to him, both in heaven and on earth. This very Jesus who does not change upholds the entire universe simply by the word of his mouth. Do we have faith in this one? Do we trust this one with our entire life? with our entire dependence for all the wisdom we need because in him, all the wisdom of God is there. He's the fullness of deity. Do we see him? Do we utilize our Lord for who he is? You know, Peter knew very well when he said, there is salvation in no one else, right? There's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The scriptures even tell us that this Jesus, there's only one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. So we ask ourselves, well, there's enemies and there's people that want to change Jesus. Some are a little bit more subtle. They'll maintain the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they'll add something to it. See, Peter's clear. There is no other name under heaven, but yet there's a religion out there that'll say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Is They make another mediator. We got to be aware of that, but we also got to realize that those were false teachers who have misled some people. And we as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, who know the real Jesus, who have an experience with him, should be able to proclaim the same as what John and what Peter and what Paul has said to them. When Jesus said, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved 
He will go in and out and find pasture. You know, when I, when I look at those words, how fleeting is life? I mean, we can look back, and I was thinking about this last night. We can look back, and my memory could get me back to about first grade. First grade. And before that, when my parents were alive, they could have filled me in with many a details between one and four. But I could only remember up to about fifth grade and not really a lot. I mean, there was one incident in my nursery where uh, a couple of us Italians decided to see how strong we were. We toppled this 20-foot Christmas tree and it fell on a nun's head. You know, and the only reason why I can remember that is because it was pretty big. <laughs> and the fact that I had to bear the brunt of that priest at that time with the wooden stick. And then my mother and father when I got old for doing that. But see, even then, how about all the rest of the days, all the rest of the hours that we spent? You know, I had a recent high school reunion. They're bringing stories about me that I never remembered. And I did the same for them. I did the same for them, and they couldn't remember. You know what that tells us? Well, one, <laughs> memory isn't that good. But two, we could be short-minded, right? We could be. There's that chance. But see, our Lord isn't. Our Lord isn't. He knows our thoughts before they're even. And when we think of this, the very Lord who knows our thoughts, who knows the words before they're even spoken, who could see us from a distance like Nathaniel and see what's in our heart. This is the one who came to us. This Jesus, whom John says, we proclaim to you because we want you to have the same joy, right? We want you to have that same relationship. Let no one rob you of this. See, how we esteem Christ, how we worship Christ, how we, we look at Christ shows us where we are in our journey with him, shows us what we neglect, shows us what we spend more time on. Listen, anything that we spend time on that's created, like our memories, are short-lived. Only he who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This same Jesus said, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. I am the vine, you are the branches. He tells us something here. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. And the reason for that is, Apart from him, brothers and sisters, we can bear nothing. Do we see how much we need our Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal one? Because John wants us to know this Jesus, the real Jesus. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. This is the Jesus. This is the God of who revealed himself. And Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the prophet said, For to us a child is born. To who? 
to us. See, a child is born. Now he's going to get more specific. What kind of child? To us, a son is given. All right? So we have a child, but to us, a son. And then he says, the government, the rule shall be upon his shoulder. All dominions, all powers are under Christ's authority. Brothers and sisters, we should be the least to fear what the enemy has. We should be the least to fear what's in store for us in the days that we don't know ahead of us. Then it says this, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. That means just the, the, the Father of time. The Prince of Peace. And look at this. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Mm -hmm. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And who will do this? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, this Jesus is worthy to be loved. If we reflect just on the very word wonderful, how wonderful is this Jesus? He was fully God and fully man. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. How wonderful is it? That, you, that he could be in one person, fully God, fully man. Octavius Winslow said this. Who delivered up Jesus to die? Not Judas for money. Not Pilate for fear. Not the Jews for envy. But the Father for love. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. This is not cosmic child abuse, folks, because child abuse is going against the child's will. Because someone would distort that work of Christ and say, I can't believe in a God that would punish his own son. But as Stephen Charnock, a pastor, in this 15th century said, he that can rescue himself from the hands of men and will not, cannot be said to die, can be said to die willingly, though he die violently. Let these words penetrate us. Listen to what this pastor said. He that can rescue himself from the hands of men and will not, can be said, to die willingly, though he die violently. See, this Jesus was given to us. From the cradle to the grave, Jesus acted out of love. He was willing to fulfill not his own will, but the will of the one who sent him, John 6, 38. I want us to go back to a dialogue. And this dialogue is in Hebrews chapter 10. And I love the fact that the Spirit of God saw the importance of putting these things in, the, in his word for us. 
And I, th and I would say that this prayer could have been prayed in Gethsemane, the evening when Christ sweated like drops of blood. In Hebrews 10, 5 to 10, consequently, when Christ came into the world, listen to what he said. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. Then Jesus said, behold, I have come to do your will. O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desire nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will, Father. I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. No repetition. God never desired those things. See, these were pictures to the church in that day to show you can't atone for your sins. You can't. Atonement comes outside of you. This picture, this illustration was to point to when God himself will come upon earth, take on human flesh, take on our sins. Do we ever think when we consider how wonderful Jesus is when we can stop and pause for a minute and think as far as our memory will go and even then we've sinned. But as far as our memory will go, the punishment the Lord Jesus took for what we did. Wow. You know, folks, this Jesus, this very Jesus, decided to take on my sins, the skeletons, the things I would be ashamed of. Can we not all say that? This Jesus, when the whippings were being put, when the thorns and crowns were being placed on his head, these very things he endured, he took our sins. They were placed on him. Do, is Jesus more wonderful now as you consider what he's done? When we just stop and pause, wow. He took my beating. He took the punishment I deserve. And you know what? He did it willingly. Could you find anything, anyone on earth that can love an enemy that much? No one. No one. Jesus himself said this. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, 
but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This charge I, re I have received from my father. He willingly died. He willingly said, I will take your sins, Mark Tercio. I will take your sins, George. I will take your sins and yours. I will take the punishment to satisfy divine justice so that you can have eternal life. How wonderful is this Jesus, the eternal one. And let us never forget these things for you know and I pray that we do know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And he's not talking about an earthly paradise. These things perish. Moth and rust destroy. Thieves break in and steal. The richest inheritance we can have is the very kingdom of heaven. The very kingdom of heaven, which Christ right now is waiting. He's up there. He's prepared a place for his people. We have absolutely no fear, no worries. The trials we go through in this world, the deprivation, the starvation, the illnesses, the diseases, the very things that afflict us will be no more. We will be of the most wealthiest why? Because this Jesus whom John said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, we want to make him, him known. So folks, what I would say is this, can always consistently looking to Jesus Christ he is the author, the perfecter, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, who for the joy set before him, my sins caused him joy. Why? Because he knew that by his death, Justice will be satisfied and I and you and whoever puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved from their sins, from their sins, not in them, from them. They are an enemy. Do you see this love? Has the Holy Spirit impressed this love on your hearts more so today than at any other time? If he has, consider this. Bowing our heads and thanking him, Lord, you've revealed this to me. You reveal this to me. I am nothing. But you took such value and care in me that your precious blood would be shed for a vile sinner like me. For this act of love on behalf of Christ, if we consistently walk outside, here's what we need to do. Repent. We got to turn. And for us who are saved by his grace, the love of God constrains us. The love of God controls us. And remember when John said, 
That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Amen.